Uh, yeah, my name is Donnie. I am one of your staff members, and I just want to welcome you again to Christian Campus Fellowship's Dinner and a Message. That is where you are, in case you were confused. Um, hopefully you weren't. Um, but yeah, just glad you're here. Uh, it was re- really cool to have uh, a church back here doing food. Um, and I know that everybody that has, for the first three, three Thursdays that has been responsible for cooking the meal was particularly glad and thinks it was particularly good that there was a church here to cook the meal. Um, so just, that, that's just really cool. That's just really cool. So glad you're here. Uh, whether you are joining us uh, live and in person or live and virtual or listening on the podcast later, um, I'm pointing at the podcasters, I'm pointing at the microphone now that you're listening to this through. So a little point out instead of a shout out for the podcast? I don't know. Anyway, just, I'm just going to move on. Um, <laughs> but speaking of the podcast, if uh, you were not here last week, I would really encourage you to uh, listen to Angela's talk from last week. Uh, it was awesome. It was really good. And I say that early on, one, because it was a great talk, but also because I think it might be uh, possible that tonight you could think Donnie's saying the exact same thing. He's just using like a different story and a different metaphor, that is not true. Um, You might also think, wait, is Donnie saying something like different, kind of like disagreeing? No, that is not true either. Uh, This is a little continuation, which was interesting because Angela and I did not plan this. Actually, the story we're going to look at tonight, I was not planning on doing. Uh, God had other plans. Um, The saying goes, if you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. Um, (laughs) My plan was to be teaching middle schoolers for the rest of my life, so here we are. Um, But our... uh, but so, so, and if you're like, I wasn't here last week, I'm going to be behind. No, you'll be okay. It, it'll, it'll be cool. But I would encourage you to go back and listen to that uh, message on our podcast uh, when you have the time. So our theme this year is story time. If you've been with us before, uh, you know that. If you've read The Wall, even if you haven't been with us, you know that because it's all over the place. Um, and we are coming out of kind of a children's version of the Bible, the Jesus Storybook Bible, which you saw in our uh, opening game, um, opening event, the you know, there was, it was that little part, and then it zoomed out, and then there was a the whole thing. So the Jesus Storybook Bible is, yes, uh, aimed at children, not just for children by any stretch. Uh, just some really cool stuff in it. Uh, every story whispers his name. It does a great job of showing that the whole Bible uh, is about Jesus. And our theme verse uh, further echoes that when Jesus said, the scriptures point to me. This is... Um, this is just Jesus' way of saying, look, everything you've read in the Bible is about me. Now, to be clear, when Jesus said that, the Bible was just the kind of what we now call the first part. But he's saying, it's all about, okay, everybody, you're blessed if you sneeze for the rest of the time. <laughs> cool, moving on. Um, <laughs> but Jesus is trying to tell us that the whole Bible is about him. And so that's what we've been looking at uh, this year. And I know you, you see me hold up the Jesus Storybook Bible, and you might be like, I mean, is this like back in Sunday school days? Are we just looking at Bible stories all, time, all, all year? And the answer to that is no, because we're not looking at stories in the Bible. We're looking at the story of the Bible. And the whole story of the Bible is the story about Jesus. That's what the whole thing's about. So that's what we're going to continue doing uh, tonight. I am, I am interested in where God takes this talk, to be perfectly honest with you, because writing it was just like, whoa, there's some good stuff in there. Um, because more often than not, you know, what happens with my talk, I just sit down and start typing, and I'm like, dang, that's a good point. And God's like, of course it's a good point, it was mine. I'm like, yeah, good call. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we are going to, uh, to dive in. God, I thank you for another Thursday. 
Uh, I thank you for Erastus Christian Church. Pray that you're watching over them as they're headed home now. And, and I just pray that you'd watch over us right now. I pray that you would say what you want to say uh, through me and, and for me, and that anything that I'm planning to say that you don't want me to say, that you wouldn't let me say it. And I pray for each of us in the room and, and listening and watching or whatever, God, that you would uh, enable us to hear exactly what you uh, want us to hear uh, for the next few minutes, God. Uh, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. His name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, this is my uh, 10th school year uh, at, at CCF. Um, when I started at CCF, I did not have a smartphone. I know, isn't that crazy? I did not have a smartphone when I started uh, at, at CCF. I did, uh, I did have Facebook, but I could only check it on my laptop. I didn't have Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. Uh, but you know, 10 years later, I have, I have grown and matured, and now I have an iPhone 7, <laughs> right? Apparently the 14 came out like yesterday or something, so... I'm sure this thing won't. I'm sure this thing won't start slowing down. No, that won't happen. Uh, yeah, halfway there. Um, living on a prayer. Um, there we go. Okay. But you know, so now it's like you know, I've I've still got a Facebook, but I'm on it like next to never. I've actually got Twitter now. I'm on that even less than that. Uh, Insta is kind of my my go-to. Uh, I had Snapchat for a little bit. Um, I know, right? Because I was like, all the college kids were doing it. I guess I should do it. It's just like, no, this is stupid. I don't like this. Um, but if you're still on it, cool. But before I deleted my Snapchat, I took these three gems. Remember all the filters in Snapchat? Or like, know all the filters in Snapchat? You still got it? These are um, all CCF alums. That's Corbin and that's Gracie. And this, this stuff of nightmares right here, I was really hoping uh, Haley would be here because this is Haley Mason Donovan. Uh, that's her face, but that's my body. And that's my face, and that's her body. That's the face swap uh, thing. When I posted that, I used a caption kind of stealing a lie from Jurassic Park. We were so busy thinking if we could, we didn't bother to think if we should. Um, because, yikes! Um, but what, like, when I had Snapchat on my phone, my two daughters, they're, uh, they're now in ninth grade and fourth grade. They were, they were younger then. I haven't had Snapchat for years. I would open up my camera roll, and it would just be tons of pictures of them having done various filters. I mean, it was just crazy. It was, it was, I mean, I guess it was fun, but it was, you know, so whatever. So I got rid of that. And I guess Insta is kind of the thing I use most for social media now. You know, every time you go to post a picture, it's like, hey, which filter you want to use? There's like 20-something of them. So it's basically like, hey, cool pick, but how do you want it to look? You know, like, how do you really, you want it to look like that? It's, you know, it's like, like Insta's like the judging person who's just like, oh, you're wearing that. This is, I mean, so it's basically asking you, how do you want others to see you? Because that's what filters do, is they impact how others see us. But it works the other way also. Filters also impact how we see others. And how we see the world and how we see life. You know, the filters and, and things that, that we put up. Whether it's, you know, over our eyes or in our ears or whatever. And you know, and sometimes that's a good thing. You know, somebody that you really care about is having a, a rough day, so you give them the benefit of the, ta of the doubt and kind of filter out that harsh tone that they answered you with. So yeah, filters can be a good thing there. Uh, filters can be a real problem, though, like in the form of rose-tinted glasses, because the problem with filtering your new relationship through rose-tinted glasses is you don't 
see the red flags. Mm. So, no, but, but filters, they're there. They're how we perceive people, the world, life. And, and no, not all filters are bad. I mean, brittle water filters, that's a good thing. Um, you know, like uh, strainers or colanders for like filtering out the water, the boiling water when you're making pasta. That's good. I mean, if you had to get all the pasta out with a slotted spoon, that'd be miserable. Especially if it was angel hair and it just kept fall, falling through. You know, but are coffee filters? Probably my favorite filters. Because I like coffee, but I don't like grounds. But, but filters, like, I mean, if you think of what do filters do? They let some stuff out or let some stuff in and they keep other stuff out. They're like bouncers, basically. That's what they do. They have their list and they decide if you're on the list or not. And they let some stuff in, keep some stuff out. Every now and then the bouncer realizes that dude shouldn't be in here and goes and drags him out. Um, but we talked about, if you were at our kickoff retreat a little bit, uh, a little couple weekends ago, we talked about that, that everybody has a bouncer that kind of guards their heart. And I asked a question the kickoff retreat of who's the bouncer of my heart. You know, just kind of who's in charge of what gets in and what, uh, what doesn't get in. Tonight, I want to tweak that a little bit and ask us, what filters am I perceiving life through? Because hashtag no filter is a joke. That's just not reality, y'all. We all have filters that color the way we see things. Now, some of them are good. Uh, some of them are not so good. But my hope is that tonight uh, will be helpful as we kind of evaluate our filters. But you can't evaluate them unless you're willing to acknowledge that they're there. And again, not, not saying all filters are bad. Some are very good and, and very healthy. But as we look at, at some of these different filters that we perceive through, you know, kind of see and hear through, as well as look at some perspectives, which I think is kind of like filters, that we perceive things from, I'm hoping that tonight will be super useful to see that at the end of the day, there's one filter that just surpasses all the others. Now at this point, you may be wondering, what Bible story talks about filters? Like, what is this dude even about to be talking about? Well, again, we're not talking about stories in the Bible, stories of the Bible. And I think the whole Bible is all about filters and perspectives and perceptions, and we're going to get to more of that. But the story that we're going to look at tonight is all about communication. And when it comes to communication, filtering stuff is, is important. So we're going to uh, look at a story that maybe you've heard of before called the Tower of Babel, uh, which is, has a lot to say about uh, communication. So I'm going to read the story from the Storybook Bible, and the pictures will be up there. See, there we go. So, all right. So, a giant staircase to heaven is how they call it. Noah and his family, Noah of Noah and the Ark. That's what Angela talked about last week. Again, check it out on the podcast. Noah and his family lived in the land, and his children had children, and those children had more children, and those ch children had even more. Well, you get the picture, which it actually says. I'm not making that part up. Um, until there were lots of people on the earth once more. Now, back then, everyone spoke exactly the same language. So you didn't need to learn Swahili or Japanese or anything because you could say hello to anyone and they knew what you meant. One day, everyone was talking and they came up with an idea. Let's build ourselves a beautiful city to live in. It can be our home. We'll be safe forever and ever. Then they had another idea. Let's build a really tall tower to reach up to heaven. Now the book turns. I love it when books do this. Yes, they said, we'll say, look at us up here, and everyone will look up to us, and we'll look down on them. Uh-oh, problems. And then we'll know we are something. We'll be like God. Oh, it just keeps getting worse. 
We'll be famous and safe and happy, and everything will be all right. So they got to work. Brick by brick, the tower grew higher and higher until it soared above the city, touching the sky. They built stairs in the tower to climb to the top. It was like a giant staircase to heaven. Look, they cheered. We're the ones. See what we can do with our very own hands. Okay. And say, like, look, we're the ones. We won the national championship, but we can't, you know, mm, that's clearly different things. They were quite pleased with themselves. Ooh, interesting. But God wasn't pleased with them. Uh-oh. God could see what they were doing. They were trying to live without him. But God knew that wouldn't make them happy or safe or anything. If they kept on like this, they would only destroy themselves. And God loved them too much to let that happen. So he stopped their plans. One morning, they went to work as usual, but everything was different. Their words were all new and funny. You see, God had given each person a completely different language. Suddenly, no one understood what anyone else was saying. Someone would say, how do you do? And the other person thought they said, how ugly are you? It wasn't funny. That's them, not me. For those of you that laughed. Um, You could be saying something nice like, such a lovely morning, and get a punch in the nose because they thought you said, hush up, you're boring. You couldn't even say pardon to check if you heard them right because no one understood that word either. It wasn't easy to work together after that, as you can only imagine. People were always quarreling and fighting and getting in a dreadful muddle and becoming grumpier and grumpier, which you can't imagine, until at last, you don't have to, until at last they were all too cross to keep on building and just had to stop. So after that, people scattered all over the world, which is how we ended up with so many different languages to this day. You see, God knew, however high they reached, however hard they tried, people could never get back to heaven by themselves. People didn't need a staircase. They needed a rescuer. If this is your first encounter with the Jesus Storybook Bible, rescuer is their favorite nickname for Jesus. People didn't need a staircase. They needed a rescuer because the way back to heaven wasn't a staircase. It was a person. People could never reach up to heaven, so heaven would have to come down to them. And one day, it would. Now, um, that's a lot. I know that was a lot. But the heart of the problem was communication. That was, that was really the, the issue here. They couldn't communicate, so they couldn't work together. This is not just an ancient problem. Group projects, anyone? Mm, yikes. Um, you know, they are speaking different languages, and so instead of talking like with each other, they're kind of talking past each other. Because... They cannot understand each other. I think we do something similar with one big difference, though. We talk past each other rather than with each other because we will not understand each other. Yelling at without listening to people. In other words, you know, social media. Um, They couldn't understand what the other was saying. Oftentimes, we just don't really want to. We listen to respond, not to understand you ever had that where you're talking to somebody and you can tell they're just waiting for you to take a breath? All right, they're not listening. <laughs> now let's flip it. Have you, ever been, have you ever been the person who's just waiting for them to take a breath? Because you're not going to... It's like, dang it, Donnie. Um, I got to turn it back around. It's, it's not, you're not interested in responding. You're just interested in saying what you're saying. Y'all, I've had this where somebody's talking and I know exactly what I'm going to say next and I have no idea what they're saying. And it's just like, what am I doing? That's not a conversation. That's... that's that, that's not communication. You know, we say things like, I don't understand how they can think whatever. I don't understand how they can be so ignorant. Okay, 
When I say I don't understand how they can be so ignorant, whose ignorance is that statement demonstrating? Mine. Because I'm saying I don't understand. It's totally mine. I'm saying it's absolutely, I'm telling you right now, I'm ignorant because I don't understand. A good way to combat ignorance is to listen. A really lousy way to try is to talk or getting angry, you know, or typing in the comments, especially in all caps. That gets people's attention. Listening, talk, listening, much better than talking and, and getting mad. I mean, God gave you two ears and, and, and one mouth, I think, for a reason. And one of Jesus' little brothers got this. Jesus did have brothers and sisters. One of them was a man named James. James ended up writing uh, a letter to a whole bunch of Christians that is one of the most practical books in the Bible. If, if you don't think the Bible's super practical, I would encourage you to get on a Bible app or whatever and just look for James. It's a book very near the end. It's only five chapters long, and Bible chapters are way shorter than textbook chapters. You can read it in 20, 25 minutes. Super practical, and it's awesome. Some great advice like this from James 1.19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Forget what you think about Jesus. Don't worry about that. What if we just did that? Like, what if people did that? I mean, how different would everything look if we were quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? I mean, what if I let that be the filter for my life? And what if I just did that? Now, I, I can tell you that that for me, kind of doing that, uh, a couple weeks ago sitting at my, sitting at my house on, the, on, my, uh, on my couch in the living room was helpful because from where I was sitting on the couch in the living room, my, uh, my wife was in the dining room and she was doing some work and she had this stack of papers that was like sitting up in a basket and it had kind of flopped over a little bit and she had a candle on the table with her. And from my perspective, it looked like the candle was like right underneath the paper. And I could have been like, move the candle, what are you doing? And if I'd, been, if I'd done that, she'd be like, what's wrong with you? Instead, I was like, hey, should you maybe move that? And she was like, no. It's a, and then she like moved it a little. I was like, oh, they were way far away. I mean, it, it wasn't even close. My, my perception kind of skewed it a little bit. Our, our, our filters impact what we see and our perspectives and our perception impact not just how we see, but what we see. So being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry can, can help us with that. And how we respond, maybe when somebody has a perspective that's a little different from ours. So let's, let's have a little exercise in, in practicing this here. Okay. So. All right. Hey, Karis. I get it. You get it? Okay. What letter do you see? You see a B. All right, Olivia, what letter do you see? Well, y'all, ha y'all have to fight to the death because you said something different. Okay, why does she think it's a D? Because she's on the other side. She's at a different angle. And I'm right. So, okay, Smarty, why does she see it as a B? Because she sees it backwards. <laughs> no! <laughs> what do you see it as now, huh? Not backwards, is it? Okay, because, and this, y'all, I know this is a silly little example, but look at how easy it is to figure out why somebody thinks what they think. All you have to do is just go over to where they're looking at it from. 
And then it makes sense. If you want to stand on your head, this is like a P or a Q or a 9. This gets all sorts of crazy. But it's that simple. When somebody disagrees with you, if you just take a little walk over to where they are, you'd be like, oh, I see why you think it's that way. It's, uh, when I held this up at, at home and I asked my fourth grade, I was like, what is this? She just smiled. She was like, no matter what I say, you're going to say I'm wrong. And I was like, no, what does it look like to you? And then we had a pretty cool discussion about right and wrong and how, you know, different things look different ways. Um, but you can understand how somebody sees something that you don't if you think about it from their perspective. And honestly, y'all, it doesn't take a ton of effort. I mean, it just, it just takes a willingness to try. If we're willing to look at things from somebody else's perspective, this is how you can love people you disagree with. That is possible. Okay? It really is. I mean, I have dear friends of mine that I completely disagree with on what some would call some pretty big issues. And I've talked with many of them about it, and they know my perspective, and I know their perspective. I know why they think what they think. And I think they're wrong. And I love them. They know why I think what I think. And they think I'm wrong. And they love me. That, that's called maturity. Um, but oftentimes, uh, like this B and D thing, seeing something from somebody else's perspective can really help. You know, you ask for their perspective, they share it, and maybe you actually change your mind. You're like, okay, I see what you're saying. Maybe you don't change your mind completely, but maybe now you're like, ooh, that issue that I thought was black and white is not so much black and white. Maybe you start thinking about some nuance or some conditions or things. Maybe you don't change your mind at all. Maybe after the conversation, you're even more sure of your perspective and of your belief and of your opinion. But now at least you, can't, you don't have to say, I don't know how they think that because you know their perspective. So even if you don't change your mind, you've removed some of your own ignorance. Looking at something from somebody else's perspective is really helpful. I just, but we just don't like doing it more often than not. Uh, because frankly, it's easier to stick with our perspectives. Or if we're really honest, they're not our individual perspectives. They're the perspective of our group, tribe, team, party, whatever. And that's what we believe, so that's what I go with. I mean, all the people at Babel, they could have figured it out if they wanted to. You can communicate with people that you don't speak the same language. I mean, you can do it. It just takes humility and patience. Things that a lot of folks aren't interested in having either. But for for those of us that are trying to follow Jesus, he had a ton of both. So maybe that should tell us something. Looking from other people's perspectives makes them more human. And sometimes, if we're honest, we don't want that. Because it's a whole lot easier to disagree with somebody that we don't think is a somebody when we dehumanize them. It's a whole lot easier um, than, you know, to, well, they disagree with me, therefore they are my enemy. That is not the way it has to be. I disagree with every single one of you about something. Okay, but 
I mean, we, call, we, say we're, we say we're CC fam around here, and we are. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality. I mean, me and you disagreeing doesn't make us enemies. It doesn't have to. And hear this part. Somebody considering you their enemy doesn't mean you have to consider them yours. I mean, I, honestly, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a silly example, but this shows you how easy it can be to understand why somebody sees something completely differently from you. I mean, all you got to do is just look at it from their perspective. Now, the problem with this is that this, this little demonstration does have some holes in it. Well, one. <laughs> one. Uh, Woo! Dad joke! Dad joke for the win. Um, it does have some holes in it because there are times when you're just like, yeah, I see it from your perspective, but I just, I just don't agree with that. Or or we're looking at, there's something that's filtering our perspective. I mean, I, I remember plenty of conversations, uh, you know, in, in high school and, and college with, with friends of mine who were just like, no, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't see why you have a problem with that, Don. I was like, look, your life's your life, but I'm not going to do that. Why not? You and your girlfriend love each other? Pfft. High school love. So, oh, if you're still with your, sorry, just... <laughs> Yeah, it's like, whatever. I mean, it's just like, you got to be kidding. Um, but it's just, there are some answers that don't depend on perspective. It's much more about the filter that you're using. And for me, y'all, I mean, I, I grew up going to church. I've been a Christian most of my life. And so the Bible's my filter. And if what the Bible says is true, and I believe it is, with that example of, of you know, sex outside of marriage, I think God says, no, it's, sex is supposed to be reserved for marriage. I had non-Christian friends and Christian friends who were like, I don't get that. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. And they didn't want to. I was like, all right. But my perspective, why I believe that, is because I try to use the Bible as the filter for my life. What to let in, what to keep out, what's in that needs to get drug out. I make that determination, or try to, using the Bible. I try to live my life from a biblical perspective. And what I mean by that is letting the Word of God be the filter for my life. So our question tonight that's going to come up a lot is, what if I let the Word of God be the filter for my life? What if I let the Word of God be the filter for my life? I just think it's a really big question to to ask ourselves. Now, the thing about this, whether it's a B or a D or a 9 or a Q or a P or whatever, really depends on your perspective. But I want to be really clear with what I'm saying with this because I feel like somebody could say, oh, okay, so Donnie's saying that when it comes to truth, truth is just a matter of where you stand and where you're looking from. So truth is, you know, is, is relative because, well, this is my perception and my perception is my reality. Okay, but what if your perception's wrong? For example, this picture. From my perception here, this perspective, those railroad tracks connect somewhere up there past the horizon. Right? See how they're getting closer? They don't connect! Oh, but no, but Donnie, this is my perspective. That's my reality. Well, your perspective and reality are both flawed. Okay? Because they don't. They, they, they don't. They don't connect. I mean, I, I get this is something that I've said and, and have had some really good conversations and 
honestly, a, a conversation with a CCF alum kind of changed my perspective on this idea of your perception as your reality, because what about when your perception's wrong? So please hear this. This whole thing was not an exercise saying that truth is relative, because it's not. Okay? Truth isn't relative. If what the Bible says is true, and shocker, I believe it is, there is such a thing as absolute truth, and his name's Jesus. Okay? Truth is not a thing. Truth is not an idea. Truth is a person. Okay? And Jesus said this in uh, one of the accounts of his life on earth, one of the Gospels, uh, John, John 14, 6, has Jesus saying this. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The, not a, the way, the truth, the life. You know, the way, the Jesus story of the Bible mentioned this, because the way back to heaven wasn't a staircase, it was a person. Earlier on, a few weeks ago in the story of the Bible, we talked about life, and, and the story of the Bible says that God knew life without Him wouldn't be life at all. And the truth, regardless of what filters you use or what perspectives you perceive from, now, here's the thing. Can we put that back up for a second, Rob? Okay, here's the thing about this. This is one of three things, in my opinion. This is either the most arrogant lie that's ever been said, or it's one of the most insane things that's ever been said, or it's true. Okay, a man named C.S. Lewis, who wrote the, uh, the Chronicles of of Narnia and wrote another, a, a lot of other books. One of them is called Mere Christianity, which is out there on our resource shelf, which is the bookshelf between the bathrooms out there. There's a clipboard on top. If you ever want to check a book out from there, just write your name and what you took and bring it back in a couple weeks, and that'll be cool. C.S. Lewis talks about this, this idea of what he calls Lord Lunatic Liar. And Jesus said some things where you have to decide which of those three things he's going to be. A lot of people like saying, well, I think Jesus was a great moral teacher. Well, the problem with that is he said things like John 14, 6. He didn't just claim to just be a great moral teacher. Jesus didn't claim to know the way to God. He claimed to be the way to God. So he's either a liar, crazy, or he's right. And for me, I believe what the Bible says is true, so I believe he's the way and the truth and, and the life. Now, earlier uh, I said that I try to let the Word of God be the filter for my life, and I challenged all of us to do that. Now, when I say Word of God, I mean two things. I mean the Bible, but I also mean Jesus. Jesus has a lot of nicknames throughout the Bible. One of them is the Word. And about, come, come back in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at some more names of Jesus and, and names of God in, a, in another, uh, another talk. But the Bible teaches me about Jesus. So see, Jesus is the filter through which we have to view the Bible because it's his story. Here's why that matters. If my interpretation of something in the Bible doesn't look like Jesus, then my interpretation's wrong. Okay? If I read something in the Bible that I'm convinced tells me to do something and I can't envision Jesus doing that, my interpretation's wrong. 
know, for example, if I, if I think a passage or some passages in the Bible uh, say that it's okay to oppress or demean or degrade a certain group of people, then I'm wrong because Jesus never did that. Not once. So whether we're looking at, at our life, the Bible itself, other people, our own actions, we need to try to do that from a biblical perspective if you're claiming to follow Jesus. If you're not a Christian, totally optional. I still think it's the best way to live. More on that in a little bit. And I don't do it perfectly. I am keenly aware of that. But what I like to ask you to ask yourself is, what are you letting be the filter of your life? And how's that working? And what if you dared to shift your perspective and what if I let the Word of God be the filter for my life? Now, maybe you hear that and you see that question. You're like, okay, that sounds cool, Donnie, but like, how am I supposed to do that? Well, one way is there's a group of us that right now are reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth. They're called the Gospels. Gospel means good news. Um, we started... Uh, back on September 1st, we read about three chapters a day, and we will finish all four of those in the month of September. Uh, tomorrow, we're actually going to finish up Matthew, reading the last three chapters of Matthew. So you might think, oh, I'll just wait and, and join up in, in sat on Saturday to start Mark. That's fine, but the last three chapters of all of the Gospels are really cool because that's where Jesus gets killed and then's like, nope. <laughs> Here I am, God raised me from the dead. So, I know, it's crazy stuff, right? Yeah, so maybe if you've never read it, maybe you should start off at the end of Matthew because then you'll be like, oh, that's coming. Spoilers, but now Mark will make more sense. Um, I don't know how much you've read the Bible, but why not try it? There's a group me for that later tonight. I will reshare that, uh, that group me. It's got, the, um, it's got the schedule for the reading, and we've been discussing what we've been reading a little bit. I think that's a great way to let the Word of God be the filter for your life. Because, see, when the people at Babel tried living life from their own perspective, everything just fell apart. But the story of the Bible is one of rescue, of how Jesus is the way to God. And I don't know what ways you're trying or what ways you tried, but again, I would ask, I mean, how are they working? And would you be willing to use another filter to try a biblical perspective? Because here's the thing. The goal isn't hashtag no filter. Okay, despite what, you know, social media might tell us. The goal's Jesus filter. The goal's word of God filter. A biblical perspective, how that's what you decide what needs to be in your life and what doesn't. So I want to ask it one more time. What if I let the word of God be the filter for my life. Now, that's going to stay up there for a while um, because I want you to kind of filter everything else that I'm about to say through that. And this next part, um, I've typed out exactly what I want to say. I've manuscripted it, which is something I do when something's super important to me and I'm super passionate about it because I know if I don't, we'll be here for like 45 more minutes just for this part. And I don't want to do that. Okay, so I'm going to be reading a good bit here because I want to make sure I say exactly what this is. And the first part's going to sound a little strange, especially coming from someone with the title of lead pastor, but here we go anyway. I'm not interested in any of you becoming a Christian. 
I'm not interested in that at all. I'm interested in you following Jesus. And there's a big difference. Because lots of people will tell you, I'm a Christian. But very few have any interest at all in letting the Word of God be the filter for their lives. And y'all, that just doesn't work. That's why so many non-Christians think Christians are hypocrites. We call ourselves something linked to Jesus, but then we don't really want to link our life to His. See, becoming a Christian is about living with Jesus after you die. Following Jesus is about living for Jesus before you die. Okay, if it's eternal life, it doesn't just mean it doesn't end. It means, oh, it's already been going this direction too. Becoming a Christian is a one-time decision. Following Jesus is a thousand daily decisions. On an easy day, it's only a thousand daily decisions. See, Jesus said he's the way, not the destination. Following him is a continuous journey. Jesus said this, that John 14, 6, uh, was in response to one of his followers who was like, we don't know where you're going. How are we supposed to know the way? Jesus' response says it's not about where you're going. And a lot of Christians think being a Christian is all about going to heaven when you die. It's not about where you're going. It's about who you're following. And so maybe the question then is, well, how can I follow the way, you know, Jesus, if I don't know him? That's why I bring up reading the Gospels, because I think the best way to do it is to read the Bible. As I said back at the beginning, this is my 10th year uh, on staff at CCF. Since I've been here, I have read the entire Bible 10 times, and the accounts of Jesus' time on earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about 40 Now, does that make me better than you? No. But it makes me better than the me I would be if I hadn't. See, reading the Bible every day has made me a better Jesus follower. But also a better husband, a better father, a better son, a better pastor, a better friend, a better co-worker. Trying to live my life through the filter of the Word of God, both Jesus and the Bible, has made my life better and made me better at life. And I don't have the words to express to you how much I want that for each of you. That's why I talk so much about reading the Bible. You know, if you were here the last time I did the talk two weeks ago, you heard me uh, make mention of, of that, that group me that's going to read through the Gospels. And, and maybe if you're new, you're like, man, two talks in a row. This dude's talking about we should read the Gospels. If you're not new, does that surprise you? No. Not in the least. They've been here for a while, folks. I talk about it a lot. I will never stop talking about how important it is to read the Bible. Not because I'm trying to make you feel bad or guilt you into doing it, but because I know how much better my life is when I read it every day. And I want that for you. So I'm asking you to to give it the rest of this month. 
whether you start you know, tomorrow at the end of Matthew or you wait until Saturday and, and read through Mark and Luke and John. Read through three of those four accounts of Jesus' time on earth. Like I said, I'll share that group with me again later tonight. And if you'll do that, spend 10, 15 minutes a day reading through the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth. If you'll do that and you'll do this, let the Word of God be the filter for your life. I guarantee you, your life will be better and you will be better at life. And that may sound like a bold guarantee, but I know it's true. I know that can be true for you. Because I know it's true for me. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as we let the Word of God be the filter for our lives. Let's pray. God, uh, you are so, so good to us. And God, we, um, we see things through filters and from our perspectives and, and from our, our perceptions. And, and we're imperfect, so therefore our filters are going to be also. But God, you're perfect, and your word is perfect, and Jesus is perfect. No other filter for our life makes sense. I thank you that we have your word, God. I thank you that, I mean, for centuries, by, by the light of candles and using like feathers and inkwells, people painstakingly copied what we now call the Bible so that we could have it. God, I so want each person in this room and watching the live stream, listening to the podcast, to have a relationship with you, to, to know you, to know you as the way and the truth and the life. And so God, I pray that you would give us the courage to use your word as the filter for our life. Because I know if we will do that, God, we will see that, yes, you are the way and the truth and the life, but that you are also love because you tell us that. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him to be our rescuer. And thank you for him being the way to you. God, we love you. We thank you so much for all you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray.